Yo, welcome to the Table Talk Podcast, where we sit down, pull up a chair, and we get started. This podcast is designed to provide you packed full of information to help you with your training, nutrition, lifestyle, and well-being, where we interview myself through case studies to give you lifetime experience. And then we also interview high-performing individuals or other career-focused people who are looking to make changes in their lifestyle, training, nutrition, and well-being. So let's pull up that chair and let's go. Yo, yo, welcome to Table Talk, the episode with Luke Ross, good friend and professional chiropractor, who I'm really excited about getting on the channel today. Um, not because I know his other half, and we had her um, before, yes, that is Dr. Mason, though more because I'm interested, I've worked with Luke, oh, I think coming on three years now. So we met a long, long time ago. He used to work with trainers in the past and you know, was told he had X, Y, Z, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. and I, me being me, whatever. Show me how you move. Show me how you squat. And it was really funny because um, guys, super analytical, does a lot of like reading of research. Which you know, you know me, I'm dyslexic as all hell. So looking at a research paper, not papers, paper, I'm already off in the ferries. Where this guy is just diving deep, um, head first. That's why you know we both lost hair, but he gained more knowledge and I didn't. So. <laughs> Positive and negative, though it was. <laughs> um, though, yeah, it was really cool for me because I got to see someone who just really analysed the movement, knew how the body should move, and was just overthinking it. And so, when we did a movement screening, I was like, uh, my team were just like, "What is wrong with this guy?" And I'm like, "Do A B C D for me, like spell the alphabet." And he's like, "What?" I'm like, "Do the alphabet, A B C D." I'm like, "Louder, A B C." And by doing that, he stopped thinking and he actually squatted deeper and it was everyone's like what is that about I'm like he's over complicating it he, he thinks he like he went that much deeper and i was like this is gonna be fun so yeah trained into dysfunction happens a lot of the time because you know if anyone's listening you might be someone who's training you have a bit of a bung hip like it's fine or you've hurt your back and you'll just take a year off uh, funnily enough i had a conversation today luke with a guy and he's like i had i took a year off just because i hurt my back i'm like that's not going to fix it. And now I'm working with him to strengthen his lower back. He's like, it still hurts. I'm like, well, you haven't done anything. Yeah. yeah. So fast forward, Luke has been um, a little bit like me, super tight, restricted, and pretty much told can't do anything. And me being me, he's like, so had the pleasure of working with Luke and my team. He currently works with Eddie Ramanoskos, Shreddy Eddie. And so that is a long-winded story, but this is how we met. And, you know, over the months and years, Every time I see Luke, there's always something different with research or information out there, and he's always sharing, and it's, it's really insightful. So we got Luke on today to kind of get a more detailed approach, maybe, or a different perspective of what it's like, you know, working with proven health. So, Lucas, the shortest of intros, welcome. Hi. Tell us about yourself, sir. Long, long ago, um, from obviously. Um, for you, probably where we would start is you, you're a vegan or plant-based yourself yeah. and you've been plant-based vegan for, uh, seven-ish years, maybe more, maybe less. Yeah. So how, like, what was that journey for you when you started like into that? I went to the doctors for a checkup and we had been trying to reduce blood pressure because I was 
just sort of above the normal range. So it's like fairly consistently 140 over 80, um, whereas your standard is 120 over 80. And I also had, I think, an ultrasound of my liver done, um, I think because they were trying to tie that into whether or not that was a cause of high blood pressure. They found that my liver was a little bit bigger than um, what would be expected for my age, uh, for my age weight, height. Um, and so I was just trying to implement some healthy changes. Um, this would have been before I started my Cairo master's degree in 2017, I think. And I was working at a Brazilian barbecue restaurant at the time and uh, was eating tons of meat. Like you'd finish a shift and you'd have a big alfoil wrap of tons of different kinds of meats to take home. So I was a bit sick of it at the time. And I thought that's a, that's probably an easy way I can be a bit healthier is just to stop eating so much of this meat. Well, um, eat all the pineapple. Yeah, well. Nice. Sprinkled in cinnamon. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, just eight heaps of bread and rice instead. Um, and beans. Don't forget the beans. All the beans. Um, and cachaça. And uh, I just, I felt a lot better, a lot lighter. Um, and, yeah, so I thought, yeah, cool, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with this. So I was vegetarian for a year or two. Um, and my one of my best friends has been vegan for since we are in high school, um, so 15-odd years. And she never pushed it, but there was always – she had this undercurrent of, like, I'll turn you vegan one day. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll make you vegan one day. Um, yeah, and again, not pushing, nothing like that. Like it was just like a, a little goal that she had. And uh, not pushy at all. I'll make a vegan one day, boy. Hey, look, how's your day? You vegan yet? Yeah, <laughs> it's just subtle. I'd go, I'd, I'd stay over, I'd stay over at her place, and while I'd be asleep, she'd just whisper in my ear. Signs everywhere. I'm not saying anything. Just yeah. I'd look at meat if we went to the shop together, and she'd slap me across the back of the head. Um, this this proper conversion therapy. No, so um, didn't say anything though. Didn't say anything. So yeah, that was her goal, and I at some point after having given up meat, I noticed that dairy didn't agree with me as well as it once did. Um, so I thought oh, I'll cut out dairy. There's plenty of alternatives to that now, and so I did that. And then I it was leading into so my same best friend was pregnant and was leading into her baby shower and being a uni student um this was when i was in my master's degree so you know we were on campus 30 plus hours a week and then studying around that so i didn't have much time to work and the only work i was doing was massage therapy for a chiropractor in the area and he he was great he would go on these big stints where he'd go and treat at like pro tennis, golf, whatever tournaments. So my shifts just would dry up sometimes weeks at a time. And so I was left without any additional income and just didn't have cash. So I say that to the context to leading into my friend's baby shower, I didn't have enough money to get anything. Um, and so I said to her, as a gift for your baby shower, I'll, I'll go vegan. Um, so the night before it, and at this stage, the only non-vegan thing I was eating was eggs, really. 
Um, so this this stage the night before that, I've gone, I've got a big carton of eggs and I've had a ton of avocado and eggs on toast and it was delicious and have been vegan ever since. <laughs> Okay. Not to say I haven't stuffed up along the way. Um, there have been plenty of occasions where I've accidentally had dairy because I haven't read a label properly or I've assumed that a certain brand was vegan or protein bar sections in Coles and Woolies. Sometimes they're really stupid with their arrangement. They don't like keep vegan stuff in one section or kind of be scattered or at least it, it was sometimes. And so I'd buy a bar thinking it was fine and it, and it wasn't. Um, and one time on my birthday a year ago, I accidentally had a chicken taco. Um, We've so, never let you down on that one. No, never. Yeah, that was great. Wow, this vegan taco tastes so different. We all looked at each other. Waiter comes running out. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. I gave you chicken. Dude, you waited. That's not even like a few seconds of I realized I made a mistake. That's like minutes. I. No one is, here's your dish, wait 10 minutes. No. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Just, everyone knows we, for Luke, we would, uh, you know, if we went out and we got eggs, we were like, oh, Luke, do you want chicken with that? He's like, no, I don't want chicken with that. Are you sure? <laughs> you guys are cluckers. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my vegan journey. Wow, what a vegan journey. So 2017, working in Brazil and barbecue, eating lots of meat, um, then studying your master's in chiropractics, then going vego for two years with a focus to decrease your blood pressure. Did you did you get it down? Um, no. So that's also been a journey. They still, like I've seen specialists, I've done all the tests and they don't know why, which basically means that average for me is slightly higher than other people yeah um because yeah like i like at the time that this was happening i was running like 10ks a day like i was the fittest i've probably ever been so yeah all i can really put it down to is that medicine doesn't really know what to do with people who fall out of average ranges it, it's assumed that it has to be abnormal And uh, yeah, like through all of that, like my diagnosis now is essential hypertension, which is essentially we don't know why you have hypertension. Anyway, so yeah. Well, there's the bell curve. You're either super low, like me, 100 to 60, 120 over 80, 140. You have a problem, we just don't know how to fix it. You guys are good. I always enjoy that. You know, low blood pressure. Are you, are you okay? Yes. I, I told you I had low blood pressure. That's low blood pressure. Like, yeah, but that's really low. I'm like, well, no, it's not because that's normal for me. Do you have a higher rest, like a higher heart rate? Uh, resting pulse at about 73. That's fair. That's below average. Well, it used to be 50, but then I don't do cardiovascular work anymore. So need to work on it. I got mine down to, I think, 40 beats per minute <laughs> at rest. <laughs> <laughs> 30 140 yeah yeah wow cool and i guess 
what are three like what are probably three things you've really learned over these last seven years from going oh six years since that transition like is there being any you know for a lot of people I was chatting with the vegan coach yesterday we were talking about like a lot of people think it's the game changer like a lot of people just say oh i shouldn't eat meat because all these athletes don't eat meat and then they just cut meat but they don't increase vegetable intake they don't increase like nutrients or anything so then they get really sick um so like you know make sure you get sufficient protein levels through various sources is there anything like that that you found really helpful for you over these last six years um well the superiority complex has been really helpful um yeah, um the thing i would say is that uh, let me just roll up this paper back back <laughs> um a lot of a lot of vegans um will profess that it's really easy like it's not hard just do it like you're killing the planet you're killing animals all of this and like i i get the evangelistic nature of, of what they're doing um did you say evangelistic nature? Yeah. Nice. Veganism is the new Christianity. Like the new Avengers. I, I like that. <laughs> that. That was well played. And so would you say meat eaters are part of the... So those that eat meat are part of the multiverse and are disrupting this, 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 this earth. But on another earth, it's okay. Yes. Uh, that was a good... I like that. That was a good, good one, man. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, um, Disclaimer, Luke has some dry humor. He may notice some subtle wording or joke jobs. If no one laughs, it's totally okay. It was funny. And we're back. So the first thing you learned going vegan. Um, is that it's it's not simple. I, I don't think that being alive today, like eating whatever the hell you want or you know, being gluten-free or being vegan or pescatarian, like there are challenges that come with certain diet restrictions because that's exactly what it is, is a diet restriction. So anyone who harps on at you about it's easy, just do it, isn't appreciating the true nature of it. And it might have been easy for them and that's great, but one person's experience doesn't dictate another's. So I don't profess veganism to anyone because... I don't want the responsibility of it. <laughs> so, um, and I don't think that one diet is how everyone should live. Mm. I think we need the diversity of different diets because if everyone eats the same thing, it's way too much demand on that one thing. Um, I think the more people who don't overindulge on things like meat will hopefully de-burden that industry so that, you know, they're not producing garbage meat that, you know, is stressed out cows that have, you know, been fed fairly crappy shit and so they produce really bad quality meat. Um, so, like, hopefully promoting good farming practice all that sort of stuff, which I think is what farmers want to do anyway. Um, but we live in a, in a culture that's perfectly happy to waste all of that excess rather than just meeting the demands as they are. Mm. And I think I think diet diversity is a really important part of that. So it's it's taught you to appreciate that everyone's unique, though it's a diverse space which um, allows you to really just appreciate everything around you. Mm. Yeah, cool. Number two. Second lesson. 
Um, that if that if you're going to be vegan, you should read labels on the regular. Um, yeah. Um, because because everybody else doesn't read labels. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you probably should read your labels anyway. But um, yeah, I have, as I said earlier, I've made plenty of oopsies. Um, so if we were going on true veganism, last time I ate something that was an animal product, I've probably only been a vegan for a year, <laughs> less. Um, I've also, I've had coffees that they asked me to put real milk in. That was bad, actually. That gave me a really nasty migraine. Um, so yeah, just um, being a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Cautious. Present and cautious, yeah. Anything, um, any pro tips on certain, um, when it comes to reading labels? So, example, like a lot of products use canola oil, which is a pro-inflammatory, so it's inflammatory to your body. Uh, it's more of an omega-6 compared to like an olive oil or a, a macadamia or a seed um, or a nut oil. Um, yes, it costs a little bit more to use it, they say. Um, any pro tips there, like being mindful of seeing certain ingredients or acid regulators that, yes, it's normal for them to be in that product versus it's actually not? Have you found anything like that to be cautious of? Um, well, I'd say as far as if you're trying to be conscious of the stuff that you're buying, basically being patient, because I think if you, you know, day one, next Monday, fully vegan from there or fully whatever, if you go and try and do a shop for all of the usual things and you're buying all of those products, odds are, you know, you'll be good for the first two aisles, but then as your brain starts to fatigue from all of that reading of the tiny label, you're going to make mistakes. So transitioning slowly and being patient with yourself, I think, is is the key there. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to master it straight away. Like, if a particular thing, so if it's avoiding canola oil, for example, like, pick that as your next thing in your next shop. Don't be trying to filter for four or five different things at a time because... It's a lot. Yeah, awesome. Number three. Um, third thing I learned from being vegan. Or any major takeaways that have really helped? Well, I guess from just having a particular diet, like do what works for you and do what works for you while it works for you. So I know plenty of vegans. So for example, that friend that I'd mentioned earlier, she's no longer vegan. Um, which is a, You've taken it, she's like, oh. Yeah, she's I'm passed it on. And I'll pass it on one day. Um, but yeah, so she has severe narcolepsy and a few other things going on and just found that she couldn't get the same requirements from the nutrients because like she'd been vegan for 15 years and she was vegan through pregnancy but then started to find that her energy levels were all dropping and it wasn't as simple as just lack of b12 because um, she was really across that sort of stuff but she basically had to make the decision of it might be worth trialing animal product again to see if my body is going to absorb the nutrients better from that and, and it did 
Um, so she, you know, she eats fish, chicken, um, red meat, all of that again now. And it's not a thing of she's a shit person and a shit vegan. It's got to do what keeps you healthy. Um, and all this stuff is trial and error. Even having done a couple of different seminars this year, me staying vegan was kind of confronted in those because some of the chiropractors presenting were saying that particularly in male fertility, veganism can be really challenging because of absence of B12, iron, and I think vitamin D was the other thing they were talking about. Um, and it's not to say that you can't supplement, but you just need to be aware of the fact that certain diets have certain limitations and you need to be checking those things. Yeah. Yeah, right on. So number one, appreciation of diversity. Number two is be patient, reading labels to help you understand what you need and also just do what works for you. If you're someone who's gone vegan or plant-based or any diet, maybe you can do it forever, maybe you're not. Maybe your body evolves or things change and just really you know, be nice to yourself. Cool. All right, change of topic. Lucas, talk to us about your training journey. Well, yes, what's trained for a while? What's your journey been like since working with yourself, coach, worked in vision then you've worked with um james lou hello sir he will get that and now eddie Monoskos. what is uh your experience been and your biggest takeaways from all of it well i might start with what my training experience was like before vh just to give context um so started training when i was in high school so as a teenager um and largely any and all exercise I've done throughout my entire life has been about weight loss and, and keeping trim, which largely sort of goes back to when I was younger, I was a bit of a chubby kid, and my dad is one of five kids. He's the only one that isn't diabetic, and he was concerned that I was going to become diabetic. So he tried to implement, like, healthy habits, exercising regularly, being better, that sort of stuff. Um, because I was so young and impressionable, I think that I took the lesson a little too hard and that like, I sort of had body image issues and, and some eating disorders as I got a little bit older um, because I hadn't taken the core message, which was to be healthy. I'd taken the message of don't be fat. Um, and so, and that's that's not me blaming that. That's just how it, you know, landed in my head. Um, <clears throat> so all of my training was always centered around trying to keep slim, and eating would go along with that. So trying to, you know, not eat excessively, not eat, you know, junky foods, that sort of stuff. And yeah, just sort of really unhealthy mindset in regards to all of that. Cut to training with the VH team and we had conversations around, I think I think we were at your place on a Friday night actually, and you'd said something along the lines of, so what are you eating? And so we started a dialogue around that. Um, so I think perhaps you'd said, let's get Messina, and I said, oh, that's okay, I won't have any. And you were like, why not? Um, I, I, was, was, no I was, one takes Messina away from me. 
<laughs> so I was like, because in my head, I was like, because I don't want to be fat and eating Messina will only help me get fat. Um, and so... The carbs fuel performance. Don't you train? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you have any carbs? No. What? What? <laughs> yeah, so it was a whole conversation around that and just sort of like saying, dude, dude you got to eat. And just so everyone knows, we got Messina and Luke. Luke ate most of it because he was in a bigger deficit than I. That's absolutely definitely not true because only one of the one or two of the flavors were vegan ones. Yeah, this is in a 1.5 litre tub, everyone. Wondering. <laughs> and Luke gets all of this one, and that is one of the three flavors. So clearly, that was a third. Not really. Half of it was chalk mint. I think from memory it was the blood orange sorbet and the chocolate sorbet, which was like vegan. Yes. I think it was the first time we had chocolate sorbet because yeah, we were like, meh, and then we had in Kate's, like, she's hooked. Yeah. It's like chalk mint, but instead of mint, you get chocolate. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and, um. yeah, so that just really changed my sort of, thinking patterns around food and kind of allowed me to enjoy myself again. Um, I've also since done some um, work with a psychologist around eating disorders and body image stuff, which really complemented that. Like her focus was on like the big thing I had was fearing putting on weight. And she was like, cool, like, if you put on weight, what happens? It's like, I the don't... The end of the world! The world blows up. Um, yeah. I, like, well, I, I don't feel as attractive and, and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, cool, like, does, does your wife... Like, because my wife had seen me when I was, you know, maybe 10 kilos more than what I am now. And she was like, was it a problem for her? And I was like, well, no. And she was like, okay, so what are you worried about? And, like, she was really good at just breaking down all of these, all of these barriers and, and things I had in my head that weren't realistic and, like, it was great. So, like, one thing, she got me to stand up. <laughs> stand up because I've got a mirror there. She was like, stand up in front of the mirror. And she's like, what do you see? And, like, I said something about my head and my arms and she's like cool are you a floating head with arms or are you a whole person like that was good that's good yeah i, I apologize i'm just laughing because for anyone that knows amy she just look at it and be like you're a fucking idiot and like literally word for word just hear it in my head <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was great it was just all these preconceived notions i had for years like decades she was just like they're dumb and you don't need that you're a floating head with arms. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, she wasn't she wasn't mean. She did it in a really nice, supportive way. Like, yeah, she was she's great. Um yeah, so <laughs> that, that's tasers your nuts. <laughs> well, I did request that. You pay extra for that. Um, so yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey in the last three years, just really changing the way that I see myself. Um, my relationship with training, um, yeah, it's been it's been great. I also don't run anymore. I used to run all the time just because it was the most efficient way to to burn calories and keep weight off, and I hated it. And now I don't do it, and it's great. Interesting. The most efficient way would be to walk. 
Oh, wow. Because you can still be multitasking and walk and type or do what I do and do it in the hallway on a Stairmaster. Yeah. Break your Stairmaster and you get got to get rid of it. So in summary, your training experience really was of someone who, um, you know, was scrolling on the internet, going like training, running, doing things that are mainstream. And then when you came to, well, we met, and you probably training and nutrition probably separate. And then overall, you then started to create more holistic and join the two together. Yeah. So for you personally, there was still a gap, which was the the mindset side, first to a psychologist and found that just having that other person being like, and again, we, we are paraphrasing, you're an idiot, right? To help you really go, well, yeah, that is silly to think that way. So you have to, you have to play it out and go through it before you're like, am I a floating head with arms? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Some and sometimes we can't do that on our own, which which I find, and I'm not saying this towards you, but I find it comical. Like I do it to myself as well. But, you know, we we get in this, we get in our head, and we get stuck or blocked. But really, if you just um block it and played it all out, you would then be like, this is just silly. Yeah. We 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 get in the loop here and not allow that journey. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like. Everyone can relate to, I think, having an argument with someone in your head in the shower or wherever it is. Like you pre, you expect a confrontation based on an interaction that you might have and then you have a full-blown argument with that person and then the situation comes and it's nothing. Yeah. Cool. 100%. I just spent an hour and a half making sure I had every single counter to you and I didn't need any of it. Yeah. Can we just argue for the sake of arguing? I guess. Uh, I knew you'd say that. I play this card. Yeah. And like, that's apparently a psychological behavior called catastrophizing. So you expect the, the worst possible outcome. And like, just identifying what different behaviors are and being able to self attribute them is really powerful. Yeah. Well, we're, we are built that way, though. Like, you know, you ask someone like, "What are you grateful for?" Or, What's the highlight of your day? You'd be like, oh. "Right." Versus like, "What was the challenge of your day?" Whoa, I can give you a list. <laughs> like, a, like side note, which is like, I watched a presentation. Like, I watched a Prezzo one, and it was comical. And the guy's like, "How can you ruin your day?" Like, you know, to win, we find it hard to work out how to win. So it's like, well, how can you lose? And you know, he had a, his next slides like, "Be impatient." Stay on the same thing. Don't follow up. You know, swear at everyone. And then some people are like, heroin addiction, losing a limb. He's like, wow, you guys are dark. <laughs> That's next level. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, flip it. No, like, you know, don't chop your leg off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just funny. And by playing out the negative, you just find the opposite of it. And then you're like, okay, well, I'll just go do that. Yeah. Well, that or just perceiving that by not having had a loss, on a particular day, you've won. Mm. Like, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. All right. Well, then, talk to us now. How what is training like for you at the moment? Um, it's great. I love my current program. Um, so my previous one for five weeks was a pre-exhaustion method, which consisted of back-to-back um, sets of whatever particular muscle group. So, like chest, it was bench press comboed with like cable flies. And it was four sets of 12 and then go on to the next muscle group. Um, So, and like without rest in between the first and second. 
So I also like that program, but you can only keep up with that for so long. It's, its whole point is to break you down. Um, so it's great, but my current one is it's back on. to exhaust you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the current one is um, your more standard um, alternating exercise with your muscle group. So I think it's the four eight. So you're in an undulating method to different peaks of phases. Yeah. Cool. Um, have you noticed much change in body composition? So I have deliberately not been looking at it. Um, so the last interaction I had with my psych, she'd said just for the moment, stop self-analyzing. Because um, I do this thing where whenever I put clothes on, I'd be looking for any possible faults in how I looked. And she expanded that to things like the scales and how I interpret body composition stuff as well. So she said, for the moment, just stop any of it. Yeah, right. uh, so I haven't, I've, I've weighed in occasionally and like I've done the body comp stuff with Eddie just so that it's been tracked. Um, but it's been interesting because as far as my weight goes, it's stayed fairly consistent. Nice. Um, and I don't know if I've put on a lot of muscle since the last time I sort of checked in with that, but I also haven't ask any so um those that are curious his program is called the super saiyan <laughs> pulling it up right now um so yeah i but i but i feel good um like everything fits nicely i also stopped you have this bad habit of buying clothes that fit quite snug and it's like well if i behave and i you know don't eat stupid, then it'll fit nicely. But now I buy clothes that fit and function well. So I've felt a lot better. Yeah, nice. Mm. Cool. The, just um, if I may ask on this, I know you're not like looking at the body and looking at the scale weight, though can you, um, is it okay to feel in the sense of like how your posture feels, how you're feeling you're holding yourself, or is it like don't, don't, like nothing no postures i mean posture is something i'm always conscious of anyway yeah um and like i feel like my arms feel bigger like it feels like the sleeves are a bit more snug um, my legs de like my thighs are definitely bigger um like shorts are a lot more snug around the thigh um <laughs> so yeah um like those kind of things I think the key is just to acknowledge the positives and not focus on the negatives and, and throw myself down a hole. Mm. Um, so, like, positive stuff is even good. And I think starting next year, I'll, I'll probably start checking in with Eddie again as far as what the body comp stuff is. But I figure I won't do it until after Christmas. And... Do it monthly rather than weekly, yeah. Yeah. Be good. Well, it would be good to get your body comp done now. I always love doing this with people. It's like, let's do it now and then let's do it when you come back after Christmas because a lot of everyone's like, oh, I'm going to put on weight. Cool. What if you just focus on having an amazing time, minimize your stress and see how you go? A lot of the time, people eat more but without stress and they actually lose weight. Or, And this is the, the biggest thing people forget is that the body wants to be in homeostasis. Our body will fluctuate anywhere between up to four kilos a day. Like, here is a liter of water. Yeah. How did my weight go up a kilo? This is ridiculous. It's like, 
So, you know, food, food has mass to it. It's, yeah, it's funny you say that. I honestly wonder if, like, since I've not been looking heavily at it, if the lack of stressing about it constantly is why my body's just functioning well. Well, I know, I know your meals are down about quite a bit. My meals? Your millimeters, you've dropped 20 mil. Oh. So an average amount of millimeters. So for those of you curious when you're doing body fat pinching, um, an average of two to four mil across 12 sites um, is normal, 12 sites. Um, Luke's dropped 20 mil in four sites. So it's much bigger as an average. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's The body is incredible. I love it. Um, let's dive into then more about Lucas. So Luke, you're a chiropractor. You've done your studies. Tell us a little bit about your, um, like we talk about, how you went to uni and how you met Amy and studied. And but really, for me, I'd like to know more about, you know, what, what if I, I'm looking for a chiropractor or a health professional to work with, um, I know, I'm going to say this about everyone if I found a physio or anything, but you know, if I find a physio, there are bad ones, there are good ones. You know, chiropractics, good, bad. Trainers, good, bad. Um, how, for one, can someone, di like, make sure that they're aligned with the right professional and then two is what does it look like if i was to walk into your clinic today where's your clinic and what can someone expect with you so my thoughts on good and bad which it's funny in health there are different levels of expectation for different health practitioners People will tolerate a crappy GP and a crappy dentist, but they will not tolerate a bad interaction with a physio or a chiropractor. Like they'll abandon that shift straight away on average. Obviously, you've got people who, and as they should, if they have a bad interaction, don't go back. Um, but it's been my experience that Cairo, of all of them, kind of cops at most. Like I think people are already on the back foot and sort of ready to run. Um, but I think the general thing is it should be someone that you vibe with so someone that one you feel comfortable um, by extension of that you feel safe so they're not doing things without describing it to you first explaining why they want to do it um, and asking permission so you come in to see me and I you know feel your neck and I'm like okay it feels really stuck I think if we adjust your neck that it'll free the motion up decrease a bit of pain improve posture that sort of stuff and here's X, Y, Z reasons as to how I think the adjustment will achieve that. Do you feel comfortable with me adjusting anything? If they say no, I'm like, cool, here's some other ways we can do it. If anyone says no, this is the way you need to do it, or doesn't tell you about it or ask permission, that's where it's a red flag for me. And either question them on it. So, for example, if you've been seeing a Cairo or whatever for a long time and they do something that you don't like, we have every right to ask them. Can you not do that? Is there another way we can do it? So if you're someone who doesn't like having your neck adjusted and, you know, you're still getting it done because Ira says it's what you should do, ask for alternatives. Um, and if they're not happy to do that, maybe they're not the practitioner for you. If they are and, and you feel supported and safe and, and you like that person and you don't dread going to see them, then those are those are all the good signs. It's, it's like a relationship without sex, and it should be without sex. Um, 
But like, what? You should like the person. What the fuck? Man, been playing this angle for years. Haven't gotten any in years, but oh, there's always that hope. Yeah, bloody professionals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And care, not for the aftercare. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as um, with me, so my clinic, I currently practice in Dremoyne at a company called Sports Lab. And next year I'll be at one of their other sites in Alexandria um, a couple of days a week. So, your typical experience with me is an initial consultation to about 45 minutes. Intellectual. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so initial consult is about 45 minutes and regular follow-ups are 15 or 30 minutes depending on what that person needs. So generally a person will come, they'll tell me their problem, we'll go through history. So it's not as simple as tell me about your neck pain, it's tell me about any previous accidents, medications, kind of getting a whole picture of that person. So what do you do for work? Are you married with kids? What's your job like? Um, what are your hobbies? Trying to identify the impacts, the pain they're presenting with or the poor function they're presenting with and how that has impacted their life because the ways it impacts the life are also a measure of whether we're, whether we're getting what we need to. So if I'm treating someone for six weeks and suddenly they can, you know, pick up their grandkids, that's a that's a big deal. And that means that we're on the right path. Awesome. Whereas if they're not getting any of those, we need to assess, okay, like have we diagnosed correctly? Is there something we've missed? Is the treatment I'm providing just not for you and we need to refer you to someone else? Um, so I'm cognizant of there's a negative connotation with chiropractic in that once you see a chiro, you, they've got you for life. Um, you kind of strung along for the ride. And care with any practitioner shouldn't feel like that. Yes, like if someone comes to see me, I would like to look after them for their entire lifespan. Um, but it's not a thing of like I want them in there twice a week for the rest of their lives. Mm. So it's about developing a care model that works for that person some people benefit from weekly, others it's once every six months. And you know, it's finding that Goldilocks rule of what works for an individual. That's why it doesn't work for me. Don't have hair. <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. So if someone comes in to see you, you're obviously going to do an extensive questionnaire, find out more about the history and make sure that when you see or work with them, you're able to get a greater picture of what's worked, what hasn't, rather than just wing it. Then from there, must some more testing on body themselves. And for example, I've got neck pain, but it could be the downstream effect is actually causing the head to be this way and I'm cranked that way. Um, like the other day, Amy released my right shoulder like because I was sitting like that and then dropped and I felt just everything released on the left. So yeah, it's good. human body, love it. Um, from there, obviously consent. Make sure that they're ready for it. Though you are someone who has a multi, you're a multi-skilled practitioner in the sense of it's not just chiropractics. You've got massage, you've got some needling. It's like you've got a few other things in your kit. So if someone doesn't feel ready, they're not bracing and resisting and making it worse, which you know, for me over the years, I've always found, you know, and that's what brought us here today was really just your approach was very different. 
um, very soft. And I was like, we're starting. However, a lot of people would just and a book pillow would be worse the next day. So, yeah, cool. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, Sports Lab in Moyne and Alexandria. Um, though we've talked off the channel, which is you're looking to go into more of a specialised area as a, as a health professional? Yeah, so I can't say specialise. Um, it's an APRA rule, essentially. Um, only medical practitioners have the specialty, so they, they're the only ones who use the word. But um, in essence, yes, just covering my bases. Um, I, my interest is largely in women's health, and that has developed a lot in the past, say, six months. Um, so my, my big clinical interest and area of focus is in healthy menstrual cycle, um, healthy pregnancies and healthy menopause. Um, yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Luke. For those that are interested in understanding more about the specialised nature or the interest area that Luke is uh, studying more, tune into episode uh, part two with Luke Ross to understand more about the, the more about the female hormonal cycle. Um, is your cycle on time? Is it late? What could that mean? We're going to dive deep into that one next episode. If you are looking for a health, new health professional, uh, you can always reach out to Luke Ross in Dremoyne or Alexandra. But Carl, it's too far. Don't worry. He is now available for telecommunication calls so online like this where he, you can talk with him online and get a plan of attack. Maybe it's with him or maybe he can refer you to someone close by. Till next time, adios, amigos. Hey, thanks so much for joining the episode of Table Talk today. We hope you found some helpful tips and inspiration in staying healthy and fit, even with a busy schedule. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Stay tuned for our next conversation. Until then, keep prioritizing yourself, your health, your fitness, and we'll see you on the next Table Talk.